Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The quarter will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Twin Cities by Night. For those of you who are, are listening to the podcast version, Alex, unfortunately, again, cannot make it to play Valentine. So, so for the next three chapter videos and three podcasts, Alex will not be here. So do not think we're forgetting about him. But thankfully, he'll be back next session. So where we left off, Katow had just received a phone call that he was in the middle of where he realized it was Carlos calling him in a panic state while driving a car well he seems to be driving a car and hearing loud clapping sounds and breaking glass and carlos screaming for help and screaming that he's being shot at and we left off where katal was like where are you so we'll start from there right when those words leave your lips and break into the phone the line cuts dead and you realize that because there's that distinct sound, like slight clicking sound. And you look at your flip phone and you see that the call has been dropped. And there's a second where the intensity, you know, that you felt hearing like the screeching tires and these pleas coming from someone who you uh, not but a week ago were hiding in the basement of Jonathan Chase's house with and hearing the shattering glass and hearing like gunshots happening. Now you're just alone sitting in this room of yours, the living room, which I can imagine probably has like a couch and like an old TV. Uh, it's like probably playing right now, some infomercial, cause it's like two 30 in the morning, about three in the morning right now. What's going on in your head right now? I need to find them. I need, I need to find out, I need to do something about this. So I'm going to say like his first instinct is to call us to see if we can reach uh, William. Okay. So William, you are sitting in your apartment you had just you're okay. you just spent hours looking over the internet scouring the internet trying to find information on a psychiatrist who could probably work with you you found loretta hughes you had sent her an email and now you're sitting by yourself in your computer chair in this high-end apartment and the darkness is starting to creep into your mentality at the moment you know if there's a second where you are utterly alone and you start hearing just gently the cascading of the waves coming in the backdrop and the peripheral of your hearing and right at that moment we start feeling that eeriness that like sense of panic that you almost feel at that time you hear the sharp ringing of your phone as it vibrates and the, and the, the face of it lights up and it kind of like is almost a beacon of sanity and safety for a second and you look down at it and you see Katow's number go ahead scenes on you guys hi Katow. 
Uh, William, how, how much is Chase's stuff do you have? Do you have anything of Chase's stuff at your place? I just the photos we took. Well, listen, because uh, I just got a call from Carlos. They, okay. Some, they, someone was just shooting at them. He just said they were in trouble. So I heard like gunshots, uh, like glass breaking up. Where are they? I don't know. I, I tried to. They didn't. I tried. I tried to ask. They didn't say anything. And so I, I know Chase. He was doing some stuff. I wanted to know, like, he mentioned anything to you, like someone in police or anything like that. Something that you can call us and say, find out what's going on from his stuff. Mm, I'll have to try to check out the pictures I took. There might be a detective or something there, but and I can send you with him as well. I don't think he ever explicitly mentioned someone on the police force. I know he had someone there. But All not right. exactly uh, who. Then we can use that. Definitely, we can find out who that is. We can use that. But, yeah. But I, I don't know what. To, so we yep. have that. Then we can. Maybe you know this. I don't know if I have enough time to see if I can go to Chase's place and. Okay, I'm gonna go to Chase's place real quick and see if I can find anything from there, like any physical stuff in my list on his computer or whatever. Okay. You see what you can do for your end. Yeah, I'll check out the pictures and. Just a reminder, William, is also that you, uh, Brian Cooksey, had called and said he wanted to speak about Jonathan Chase, too. That was in the voice oh, message right. that you had got. So I just want to remind yeah, you of yeah. that, too. This is a bit more immediate, though. So, yeah, as soon, as soon as tomorrow night, as soon as you as soon as soon you get up, you know, get awake again, you just we get, call, contact me. We have, to, we have to do this quickly. Sure, sure. I'll do my best. And hopefully we can get to the bottom of this. This could be important. Can't let them die. Can't let them die. Had too many things running on them. Can't let them die. Just end you say that over the phone? Yeah. Just Okay. So you hear that too, William, which is kind of, I would say maybe, I mean, I would say it's almost out of nature for Catal, you know, you to hear him say, say something like that. First of all, before I cut to Catal with this call and everything like this, what's going on in William's head hearing all that? Yeah. William's, you know, really overwhelmed at this point because he's got... You know, with Ophelia missing, Chase is missing. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff to do, you know, with Ellsworth, with Cooksey, and then, you know, this calamity happens. So it's really just a lot of stuff that he has to do, and he's not sure what to prioritize because, you know, in the end, there's only one goal right now. Well, okay, that there's goal? several, actually, but oh. if we go for the primary goal, which is, you know, finding out what happened to Philia and Chase, then, yeah. Now, how is William handling all this stuff that's happening to him? I mean, I could see different possibilities, but with all this stuff, is he feeling overwhelmed? Is he feeling like he can handle it or what? What Like, what? How I mean, is it's a very sort of, you know, he understands that it's a lot of stuff, but I guess I would say he's even used to working under pressure, so it's almost just thrives on it. It's like a welcome diversion, especially from what happened to you or what you're dealing with kind of like on the side with yeah. your sanity. Okay, so it's like, yeah, he feels in his element. He feels like, okay, mm -hmm. this is like going to keep those waves away and keep that darkness at bay. and that, and that Exactly. Okay, I like that definitely. Okay, so Katow, do you want to wait till tomorrow evening to do this due to that's three? Because I would say like the lights gonna start coming, the sun's gonna start coming out like in about three hours, three and a half hours. Is you know, uh, it's your call. I'm not telling you, you know. Okay, what I'm gonna, I, think, I, think, I think I think I want to try and risk, you know, see if we can get to Chase's house, grab the stuff, and just make it back to his place before the sun comes up. Okay, you're gonna go see. Okay, definitely. So you 
rush out of your apartment i take it right you're yes. kind of are you like you're moving with a sense of like purpose and your dog this whole time you notice too like when you hang up the phone with william that the dog seems his his he seems agitated like you probably are at the moment you know like he's not as stoic as he was he's moving around your apartment he's stopping looking at you moving it's almost like you're kind of realizing that this dog in a way is like not only a companion and not only really like a servant to you but almost like a mood ring like it, it expresses whatever emotions that you're feeling at the time it seems to be a a conduit for it almost it seems to be an outward way for you to even see like oh this is how i'm reacting so you you know you close the door to your cheap apartment you you rush down the hallway which is kind of eerily at that moment like a reminder of just like not only a week ago you saw the person who, who who bestowed this curse upon you meet their final death here and you rush out the door and you're in your your red toyota corolla you know that's that's like on its last leg and you're just like pushing this thing down the street trying to go as fast as you can but yet be cognitive of the fact you don't you don't want to get pulled over or whatnot and you just burning down these miles until we're about 20 miles you start again or just in the suburban neighborhood where it's like this is all like a constant reminder right you know like you're constantly no matter where you go you're being reminded of your condition because you even drive past that house on the left and you see that house and there's a moment where like a, a sense of guilt almost i would say overcomes you because like you were like you invaded that home and you took from that home and but then slowly that soon those thoughts soon leave your head as you get to jonathan's house and the house sits there stoic no lights on inside and as you open the door of your car and it creaks due to the lack of oil it almost seems to pierce the stillness that th these residents in this neighborhood are, are currently slumbering in you know it's like, and you like close it and you stand there by yourself on the street and you look across the street at this house and you know, you can feel like the early morning dew starting to just start to collect in the air and on the grass, you know, you feel vitality and, and, and it almost at this moment, like it brings forth like an, almost like a, um, a mental allergic reaction to it. Like you're standing there alone and all of this, and you feel like you don't belong. And it's almost like, I don't know why how would how does it make you feel standing here and like seeing this and this house and being back in this area where like all these memories of, of of stuff that you've done and stuff that you witness has occurred it's definitely uh it's definitely just a bit surreal to him like it's all the stuff has happened and like he like you know like before, like two weeks ago he didn't even know this place really existed he'd never been to chase's place before and so then like he had to stash the the half thin bloods there then then you know when how to investigate when Chase went missing, and then just the incident with the family breaking into the house. It's all just like this place. It's just like this is not a good place. This area is just not good for me. It's every time I come here, it's just been one bad situation after the next. Yeah, that, that that's very true, and that's a, I like how you put that. Definitely, it's just like it's not a good place. It's it's like almost in your instinctual animalistic side that's been coming out to the forefront more in you that that bad place that that impression feeling that that natural instinct is just telling you that you don't like this you don't like this place and that's very true like jonathan was very guarded with his life for the longest time and then in a rush of of catastrophic events and, and just everyone kind of being threatened and feeling threatened he was forced to show the side of him 
and you kind of were saw past the facade of Jonathan's, you know, quote unquote toughness and wisecracks and saw that this man was a damaged man who was trying to hold on to the remnants of his humanity and was slipping, you know, like for example, the food that he would eat, there was all the spoiled food in the kitchen, you know, and it just wasn't, it didn't have the effect that it used to have for him. So yeah, that's very true. So as you walk across the street into the sidewalk, you notice that there's a, a realtor sign in the front yard, you know, the kind that are like an upside down, like, like a seven shape. And that it has like this swinging metal sign from it. And it has like, you know, it has a random realtor company. And then it has on the bottom, it has like the, you know, when they throw a magnet on there that says sold, there's a magnet that's thrown on there. It's been like sold, you know, and with the exclamation part, like this house had been sold and you're for a second, you're sitting there and you're like, man, it's literally only been like a day, you know, that since like you guys were here or maybe two days, you know, and, and now it's already been sold. So go ahead. Scenes on you. I look at it like, is that how I haven't, you know, Alice, he hasn't really been in real estate side of the life for like a long time. So he's like, does that even work that fast? Like I thought houses took longer than that to sell. That's, that's something weird about this. And so he's going to approach the house with a, Animal is with a protein one turned on the eyes of the beast. As you walk uh, past the sign and you, you switch on protein one, you kind of get that red tinge, you know, that you're used to. And you, you know, as you're walking up to the front door of the house, you don't see any kind of like signs of anything, but you kind of see like they're like one of the blinds to like the front window is maybe up like, nah, I'd say about like six to 12 inches, you know, like someone didn't close it all the way and that had been open like during the day and you kind of look through the window and you look and you see like the living room is completely empty, you know, like no furniture, nothing. And you're kind of can make your way. You can kind of kind of see the kitchen through that window a little bit, not fully. And from what looks like it's completely empty too. So it's definitely not in the condition that it was in when you and William were looking at the house the other day when you first realized that Jonathan wasn't answering his phone. All right. Uh, can I look, test, go around and test the doors? See, are they all locked? Yes. So you make your way around the house and you gently check, and yes, they are all locked. You see at the front door one of those blue lock holders that they put on homes that are you know that so real estate agents can put in the combo or they have a little, little thing and they can pop it open but yeah they're, they're all locked at the moment so was, whoever this was was fast okay and odds are they're not going to just leave that computer stuff in there if they already took all the furniture i think that'd be a good assumption that you made right there yeah he'll he'll, he'll like try to see if he can get an angle on like the like the bedroom that he knew like he because he knew where the room was with the like computer stuff can he still like, can I try like see if yeah. he can look through a window in that area yeah i'll give you that like you creep along the side of the house and there's like a window well kind of like a window well and and you're able to like step on it a little bit and kind of like look into like the office window and you can kind of see through the blinds like they're not all the way closed they're just slightly open you look and you see that room looks empty too Okay, so someone got his stuff already, and depending on who that is, could have been the venture, making sure everything was cleaned out. So, <sighs> well, this was a wasted trip. I need to go back and make sure I get out, get out of the sun. And so, with that sort of like disappointment, Kaitao is like, okay, so, so with someone had the resources to do this, so I'm gonna have to 
talk to William about this tomorrow. Sounds good and understood. So we'll say that you drive back and you're able to make it with like an hour and a half and you just probably spend the rest of the evening, you know, contemplating what's going on. So we'll cut to Lenny. Lenny, you are on the hood of this cream colored Escalade. You have grips on the side there. You're laying there with your chest to it. And the car slowly starts to leave the neighborhood where Roman Dunstern's residence resides. And eventually it leaves the, the gated for entrance to the neighborhood and makes its way down the, the road that kind of has like lush greenery and forest and on to the highway that was on. As uh, as it's like pulling out, I'm I'm just want to describe like how I am, just holding on to the top. Yeah, go ahead. You know, like I said, spread eagle. You know, just kind of gripping it, uh, making sure I don't fall off. And I have my ear pressed to the roof of the car, and I'm using Auspex to listen in to the interior of the vehicle to see if they're talking. So as you are on there, and you know the vehicle at first they're just quiet while they're driving out of the neighborhood, you know, and as they get on the highways when they really start talking you hear like the window roll down and you hear like the lighting of a of a like a zippo you know and lighting the cigarette and you can catch the smell of a cigarette smoke coming out of the passenger side window before they even start talking eventually you hear one of the voices which is the driver say to the voice that is in the the passenger seat and he's like, the, the driver says to the person in the passenger seat, he's like, so what do you think is up with that shit? And the guy in the passenger seat takes a deep drag of a cigarette and he's like, fuck, I don't know, Chris. I don't know. Shit's getting heated. Like, I, I, I don't understand why Roman won't fucking explain to us. And he's like, he's like, listen, listen, Bobby, I don't know what to fucking tell you, man. Roman wants this done. The lady wants this done. We just do what we have to do. How long have we been here now, man? We've been here, what, like fucking 10 years now? We're fucking making our progress. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, quit giving a fuck about being subtle. We need to find this person and some fucking knocked up bitch. I don't, I don't understand it. But I tell you what, this is a way for us to get where Pops is at right now. And then you hear the pastor take a drag of a cigarette again. He's like, you want to know what, Chris? I'm not sure I want to be like fucking Pops right now. And there's like this odd silence for a moment and you hear Chris, who is the driver, say, what do you mean, Bobby? He's like, do you want to be like fucking pops now? Worked his whole fucking life to get where he's at now? You can't tell me that you fucking feel comfortable around him now. He gets his fucking reward and I, he's not the same man that I fucking knew. Not that he was that fucking great before. And then you hear the, you hear the driver go, listen, man. Pops ain't here anyways. He's in Boston. So who gives a fuck? We're doing our own thing. And he's like, yeah, but Chris, I don't want this fucking shit. That's what I'm fucking trying to tell you, man. We have no choice where we're at right now. We were brought into this fucking shit against our will. Our fucking family has been tied to this fucking shit. And now we're getting pulled into some fucking shit. And I don't want to fucking end up in fucking prison. And I don't want to fucking end up without the lady's gift. I've seen what happens when she takes that shit away. And I don't want to fucking be on the end of that shit. We're fucking junkies, Chris. We're fucking junkies. He's like, Bobby, chill the fuck out. I get what you mean, man. All right. I, I agree with you. But there's got to be some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Look at fucking Roman. Roman isn't 
wanting anything in life. He's fucking taken care of. Look at where he's at. And he didn't fucking get the gift. So we don't need to fucking take the gift if we don't fucking want the gift. He's like, you want to be like fucking Roman, dude? Are we pretending that that we are we are we are we seriously doing that right now? I mean, I know we're all fucked up, Chris, but are we seriously pretending that Roman isn't a fucked up motherfucker there? And there comes a quiet a moment of quiet, and you hear him go, Okay, what do you want me to say, Bobby? You're fucking right. And then you, as you this conversation goes, you hear like the blinker turned on, meaning that they're getting off. You know what I mean? On off of one of the exits, and slowly the vehicle starts going along the exit, and it goes into like kind of like a area that I would say like a strip mall area. You know, it's not like a ran down ghetto area or anything like that, but it's definitely like middle America kind of. You know, like there's a Walmart there and stuff like on the side of the road, and it's kind of like where soccer moms go shopping and maybe go get through their hair done kind of area business area in minneapolis and as slowly the car slows down to like the 40 mile per hour speed limit from like the 65 that was on the highway you hear the like the bluetooth indicator of a phone call coming through the escalades sound system and you hear chris the driver go who is it and you hear bobby go it's that burroughs guy is that fucking guy that we got on the payroll and he's like, well, fucking answer it, man. And so you hear a sound of like the connection of a call. And he's like, and you hear Bobby, the passenger, go, yeah, bros, what do you want, man? And he's like, you need to stop. You need to turn on your police scanner right now. I think I got a hit on those people that you're looking for. And he's like, what do you, what, what do you mean? And he's like, the pregnant broad, right? And that spick motherfucker, you wanted a, you wanted a fix on him, right? That's why you're paying me. Well, turn on your fucking scanner. I know you got one. Turn it on. And you hear Bobby go, Chris, pull over here, man. And you see, feel like slowly like the SUV like pulls into the drive of, of the parking lot of like the strip mall where there's currently no one at. And you're still like, you know, latched on there, spread eagle. And you hear Robert go, okay, we'll call you back. And you hear the, the call be disconnected. And then you hear like the little fine like snap of like, you know, like a, a button when you turn something on, you know, like a, one of the little scanner radios. And you hear like a fuzzing sound for a second, like a static sound. And then you hear like unit 59. Yeah, unit 59. We have shots fired off of 10th Avenue North. Uh, we have one, it looks like a Jeep Grand Cherokee being chased after a vehicle uh, full of African-American shots were fired. Unable to find any of uh, the victim or the shooter. We are currently searching right now. It sounds like that due to witnesses that three shots were fired. Seems in the vehicle that was trying, uh, that was being shot at. There was a young Hispanic male along with a uh, Caucasian female. Again, unable to find any of the vehicles, have a license plate number, and they list off a license plate number uh, for both the vehicles. I'm not going to go through, you know, the license plate number. And say, uh, we uh, are searching the suspects, searching the area, unable to find anything at the moment. Uh, this is Unit 69, Roger, heading over. And you hear, like, police talk of, like, units coordinating. And then you hear, like, the the radio gets snapped off and you hear bobby take a deep breath a deep drag the cigarette and you see like the the butt of the cigarette fly out of the window to your right as it hits into the parking lot and you see the hand come back in and you see you hear another deep breath and this is weird eerie silence you know is it uh is the car like stopped at this point yeah it's stopped at this point yeah okay. and you hear this eerie silence and then finally you hear Bobby look at or you hear Bobby say to Christopher, What's this shit, man? And you hear Chris like, I don't fucking know. He's like, What's this shit, man? What the fuck? Now they're trying 
those people are trying to fucking kill them now? Is that what we're fucking involving ourselves in? They're trying to fucking shoot up in the middle of the goddamn fucking street? Are you fucking serious, man? And he's like, Bobby, listen, Bobby, calm the fuck down, Bobby. He's like, I am not fucking getting dragged in this shit if it's going to this level. This shit is escalating, man. This is beyond more than find them and tell me where the fuck they're at. This is the other team is trying to take these motherfuckers out, dude. What is he going to want us to do next, man? The only reason we're selling this shit is so we can make some scratch and get some fucking influence. I'm not getting in the middle of this shit, dude. I will fucking pack my goddamn fucking bags and go back to Boston. I do not give a fucking shit about any of this. And then you hear, like, as soon you know, as he gets angry, he gets out of the system. There's again silence for a couple of seconds, and you hear Chris go, "Do you really want to upset her? Do you really want her to hunt you down?" And you see, and then there's this odd silence again. He's like, "No, no." He's like, "Listen, little brother, I've been watching out for you, man, my whole fucking life, and I will not lead you astray. I will not let you do time, man. I will make sure that you will not do time, and I will make sure that we don't do." what those fucking hood rats just did right there. We are not playing the same fucking game those motherfuckers have. We may have the same prize, but they're on the other team, man. Roman said it. They are fucking enemies right now. They're trying to get the same goal, and we need to beat them to it. And you hear Bobby go, but yeah, man, this shit ain't normal, dude. These fucking goddamn rednecks up here are not going to like the fact that there's motherfuckers shooting up their streets. What can we do about it? It's not us doing it, Bobby. It's them doing it. Let them feel the heat. We're going to keep doing what we do. We're going to play our cards. We're going to find out what we can. We're going to make Roman happy because that's what we do. All right. It's like, yeah, man, but shit, dude, if they're shooting at them, Chris, what if they start shooting at us, man? What if they fucking go for us? They don't want to open that can of worms. The old lady's got some pole here, man, and they don't want to piss her off. I'm sure they're handling shit their way. We just got to find them first before they kill them. What can I say? We got to make the fucking sickle boy happy, and we got to make the old lady happy, man. That's all we got to do. He's like, all right, man. All right. He's like, let's go get some breakfast. We'll go to Denny's. We'll get a bite to eat, and then we'll tackle this shit tomorrow. All right, man? He's like, all right, all right. And then you hear the car start up, and they are going to – they're not, like, heading home or anything, but they're going to go ahead somewhere to, like, a diner or whatever to get something to eat. I would say it right now it's probably, like, 3.30 in the morning right now. So what is your plan right now, Lenny? I am sticking with them. I want to find out where they live. So you are on top of the vehicle as they roll down like a few blocks later and they go to like into the parking lot of some diner and you see them get out and you see like the the Chris is kind of like the taller one who has like, you know, shorter hair, you know, brown hair, olive skin. And Bobby or Robert is a younger one who kind of has like, he's about like a half foot shorter and he has like the hair that like goes down to like the middle of his neck. You see them walk in there and they go and they get like, they order some breakfast and you see them smoking and they're kind of sitting by this picture window and you're still like laying on top of this vehicle looking at them. Once I go outside, I'm going to get down. Oh, you're going to get down? Okay. Yeah, because I figure that um, they... Like they'll go inside and everything and I can just stay in unseen presence. And then whenever I see them getting up to like leave, I can go right back to where I was and wait for them. They spend about an hour eating there. So it's like about 4.30 when they get out and you hear like the doot doot of like the car alarm as they start making their way out. After I was they like the- doing that creepy thing, like watching through the window, just standing there, like obfuscated, just staring at them. 
yeah what's going on in lenny's head by the way while he's sitting there like spending like an hour watching him like what what about like what what's going on in his head at the moment when he's sitting there alone with his thoughts well i'm i'm processing what they've been talking about you know i've they're brothers um so they they probably live together somewhere considering their situation from what i can discern they might maybe not i don't know um they're looking for a pregnant woman and some hispanic guy so that's who they were talking about before uh, about who they're like searching for um and there's they they seem to have some kind of like uh like they're, they're heavily involved with this with the with the the whole like um giovanni thing it seems uh they're like uh the 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 um the connection to duncern they're like um subservient almost to him like he's like their superior so he, but but at the same time they're trying to like build up some sort of prestige so i might be able to use that against them in some way i don't know yet and i'm just sitting here trying to think about like what can i do do i want to like confront them do i just want to follow them like what am i going to do with this information how much am i going to tell to whoever you know that kind of thing and i'm and i'm thinking like burrows sounds like a cop maybe uh i need to find out like who specifically that is you know because he's on their payroll so um they're paying him for information and, and he uh he told him to listen to the police scanner so he's probably a police officer so that's that's good information to have so i'm just kind of processing all of this that's been uh just kind of revealed just listening to them so they get out and you, you said you're going to kind of go back on top of the vehicle when you see them getting out yeah yeah okay. i don't want to uh i don't want to lose them so you go ahead and you get back onto the vehicle as you are back on there you hear the vehicle started again and they get back onto the street and they kind of like jump back on the freeway for a little bit uh or excuse me they don't jump back on the freeway they go like about uh, let's say about six or seven miles down the street until they start getting to like some residential areas and these residential areas are like homes that were like built in the, like the 50s and 60s it's not like too nice of an area but it's not like they're living in the like the ghetto or anything like that but these houses are mainly like kind of like the type of houses that younger guys who are first starting to get the type of money to like rent a home with like a with like a, a couple of roommates you know have some parties and stuff like that and there these are those type of houses you know not that it's like a frat party house but these aren't like you know where you're gonna find like where Catal was where jonathan lived or something like that this isn't exactly like a place where a family would want to raise kids or something to that extent so eventually they start turning down these dark roads at, and they they turn on this one and it has like these these along the sidewalk there are these really thick like acorn trees you know what i mean that just kind of like reach out to like you you kind of like are looking sideways when you're on the vehicle and you look and they just seem to like be like almost like imposing like skyscrapers and you look to the left and the right and you see like there's like these old sidewalks that are going alongside them you know like you know how like some of these older neighborhoods like side sidewalks will get kind of like one will stick out a little bit or one will sink in a little bit or some will get cracked and you see that there's like these lawns that you know some of them are green like there might be some people who take pride in these lawns but some of them look like they're not taking care of it quite as much and and you're seeing like some of these houses like they're still like last remnants of owners who have owned these homes for like 40 years who are like keeping up on the paint but yeah you see others that are probably rentals are not you see some like acs wall like window mounted acs that are like sticking out some of the windows that 
probably are definitely running now seeing that the summertime is coming and eventually you see this escalate like pulls to the right like pulls along the sidewalk of one of these houses and you see that the house is like a, a, a it's like a um house that's made of brick it's not like one that has like aluminum siding or you know what i mean anything or it has like uh made of any other material this one's like one that's straight made of brick and it kind of has like this roof that you can't quite uh quite tell the color at the moment and you see it has like a front entrance door and there's like a, a picture window to the right and like another window a smaller window to the left you see in the driveway that kind of like goes uphill a little bit that there's like two vehicles that are parked and one's like a souped out honda you know like kind of like the younger guys used to drive like want to be like in the uh fast and the furious and you see another's like a pickup truck that looks like it might be about like 10 years old and you can definitely hear and see from within the house that there's like music going on you hear like the dum, 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 like bass in there and you can kind of hear like laughing going from inside the house and when the car pulls over you hear chris go fuck these motherfuckers man you, do they not get that if we get fucking noise complaints that fucking we could be found out and you hear go i'll, I'll go tell him to shut up man he's like these are your friends bobby these are your these are people that you wanted to hire to watch after our shit and look at they're probably all coked out of their fucking mind dude and out there trying to get fucking laid you take care of this shit fucking bobby i'm not getting fucked up for your shit it's like i got it chris i got it all right and you see like bobby get out the door obviously and in, in the pastor door in a quicker uh, manner than chris as he like just doesn't even walk along the drive he just walks right into the grass you know what i mean walks slightly up this little hill and goes in the door and he unlocks and opens it up and you can see when he opens up the door you look you see there's like you see like a couch and there's like some chicks sitting in the couch you can kind of hear voices and you hear like his distinct voice be like all right you motherfuckers it's time to get the fuck out of here you two you're supposed to be watching my fucking shit and you just kind of like hear chris open the door and he closes it and he just like lights a cigarette and he's like standing next to the to the escalators he's waiting for robert to like pick you know get his these people out of their fucking house and eventually you see like like these three chicks like leave and they're just, you can tell they're like slightly inebriated they're caucasian chicks they're like wearing like mini skirts and shit like that and you see them like all giggling and laughing they kind of like one of them gets in the tr on the driver's side of the truck and the other two because it's like one of those trucks that only have like the front seat it's not a five-seater and the other two get next to them and the truck like starts and slowly backs out and then eventually you see like chris just like look at them and shake his head and he like throws a cigarette on the ground and like stomps it out and he starts walking up the grass and he goes and he opens the door and he goes inside and you see the the wood door close behind him as you're left there uh, on top of escalate so what are you going to do sir i am going to get down from the truck escalate thing suv uh snap a picture of the address and start walking away would it be okay to say that you go back to your haven and you kind of slowly submerge yourself to to to, to call it a night yeah, it's probably going to take me the rest of the evening to uh, go across town to where I stay and in the river. All, all that and, fun stuff. Yeah, and on my way, though, I do want to send a text message over to um, uh, two people. Okay. Before we cut away from me. Um, one to... Uh, Gerald? Yes. Yes. Uh, I've got... Uh, Got some information for you. We need to talk tomorrow. And then um, also one to Kaitao. Kaitao, one to Kaitao saying, did what you asked. We need to meet tomorrow. Um, and I'm going to send him the, or tell him the uh, park that uh, I like to sit with Gerald at. 
So we'll say that the next evening comes. So if everyone could blow a blood pool point, please blow a blood pool point. So Katow, you wake up, you have this voice or uh, text message that is on your phone right now that you see came from the number that Lenny, that, that you had communicated with Lenny prior to. So what are you doing, good sir? All right, so as was this, he's just like, oh yeah, I told him to do check the check him out. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll uh, basically text back saying, okay, yeah, I'll meet you at uh, I'll I gotta meet with someone else first. So I'll meet with you later. So you send that message on what are you gonna do next? So my first thing is then to just then like to call up William. I know probably just leave if no, probably not awake yet. I'll leave a message saying like. Yeah, let me know if you found anything, and let me know if you, when you find anything, it's just, I'll, uh, I'll meet you, I'll, I'll see, uh, why don't we meet, I'll give him, like, a, some, like, some park somewhere, just for him to meet me there, William. Different park or the same park? I'll use the same park. I feel like, why not, oh. it's expedient. Okay, and what are you doing until then, are you, uh, is there anything, oh, what's your blood at currently? Eight. Eight? All right. So you're not really feeling hungry at the moment. So anything you want to do until you hear back from one of these two individuals? Uh, probably just sit and worry about what's 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 going to happen when when I do find. But probably just putting a plan. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this for All a right. second because I'm interested. Yeah, because right now he's thinking that yeah, if William, depending upon what uh, uh Lenny found that he found something so hey might be useful depending upon what he's found if he's just like oh you know warm's a sick sick man is like yeah i already knew that but he doesn't know what lenny knows so he's like okay maybe what maybe might find some might have found something useful out if he actually could go unseen as he said and so then depending upon then he's like he's short but that's for later the immediate concern is what happened with carlos and uh and his girlfriend just to see like you know Okay, so can we, you know, did the police pick them up? Did they, were they found, you know, were they found dead? Do they, since they're thin bloods, do they turn to ash when they die? Like, he doesn't know. Just like, those are his immediate concerns. Just to, as soon as he gets contact with William, he's going to find out. So, so who can we contact to find out? Just did, did he dig into this? So there was an interesting line that you had at the end of the conversation with William there, where you were saying, how, oh, and I can't uh, fully quoted but it was some to the extent of they're important in my plans that, that you yeah, said there too much writing on them so which leads me to, to what i'm curious about because it seemed very detached when you said that you know it seemed when you said that it wasn't that you were more concerned about for their well-being but more for the fact that you have a lot riding on them like they're yeah. that, that you that yeah. there are chips that you put on that that you know, you're playing roulette. I you put that, yeah, it all right on now, black. After Leo, after seeing that both Ophelia and Chase are missing, Kaidao sort of like, okay, don't just you know, just 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 sort of like you know, don't don't really feel attached to anyone else anymore. He's sort of like just covering from the shock. He's like, okay, so that that's feeling a bit numb for them. Just keep on to that. Just don't feel anything for them. Just focus. Just you know, you let yourself sort of have friends with them, and now they're just gone. So. And then his sire just, that's another connection just cut out. So he's just like, okay, don't want just, just, just me. Just, it's just me right now. How, how do I figure with these people? These are people just, they're just people. They're not friends. They're not really anything. They're just people to deal with. 
So you're like in self-preservation mode kind of now, and you're kind of yes. like, like I said, these are objects, which, I mean, we know about the struggles that Katow has had with the beast. He obviously has physical and mental behavioral signs that show it. But now it's like starting to change the way you think. Because when you talk like that, I'm not going to lie, it sounds like Katow has even grown more remote and more, I hate to use the term animalistic, but really more predatory in that fact. I guess predatory is not really that 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 great of a uh adjective for it but like um he, he he he's become detached yes and you see that quite often in real life obviously when people have suffered trauma especially the amount of trauma that Tao has suffered in the last week or let's not even get into like what he's witnessed in like the last six months and then the 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 the, the tra trauma of being embraced and then realizing that you're damned and that like no matter how hard you fight that you're slowly going down the spiral I mean, really, it's um, Katow has, in my opinion, gone, and I'm not saying he's not still a sympathetic figure, but he's gone from a sympathetic figure to like a figure now where you're quite like, what what will he do now if it's between him and someone else? You know what I mean? For his survival. And that's good because that, that shows, I think, that Katow has been impacted by the curse, you know, from the almost the lack of a better term and i don't mean this in an insulting way but like he was kind of naive at first and now he's like very like knows how the cookie crumbles you know and it was almost like the way that katow has grown in this way is different than let's say a jonathan chase who straight out the gate came out that way you know what i mean he has slowly like witnessed it and you know and kindred well we may dive into that later but like katow has not really been like a loud noticeable hey look at me type of figure unfortunately those circumstances though have led it to now where he's in people's sight you know what i mean because being in the uh, gangrel clan and everyone wanted to curve favor with that so yeah that's very good i i i am loving the way that this character is reacting to all this so good job so warren you wake up in the chantry you start going to, about your monotonous business you know, we described this chantry before, but I, th I think I'll get like to give a little, little bit of a more of a closer look inside of it. And the fact we kind of talked about the foyer, how like there's a circular foyer in the middle there. And then there are floors. There's like a circular upper level kind of, you know, that has branched off hallways. And there are some rooms in this in this chantry that you just don't go in, you know, like, for example, you know, Cynthia's Haven. You just don't go in there. It's just it's it's her room you know you don't go into mm -hmm. jenna's guest room now jenna doesn't stay in the haven jenna has her haven outside but there's like a guest room for her there you know there is like a library study where we kind of visited in the first arc of twin cities by night where william ophelia went to go talk to jenna and you're kind of just making your rounds through here what i want to know is what is going on in your head when you do this monotonous task i mean you've been doing this for what now 40 years about give or take roughly yeah roughly yeah. and you know i can only imagine it and correct me if i'm wrong but i can only imagine it now especially with you being introduced to other kindred and you just running into melissa there where it's like and i know this from personal experience where you were grounded and you had to do chores but you know once you're done with your chores you're going to get to go out and hang out with your friends. You know what I mean? Am I wrong in that thinking that's what's like, or how about you tell me what's going on right now with the recent events and then now having to do this monotonous task, what's going on in Warren's mind. <laughs> um, he's going to go about his task. Uh, initially it'll start off with sort of a blank 
mind just rotely, robotically doing what he's supposed to do. Checking the locks, checking the security monitors, checking to make sure that no windows are broken, that everyone's where they're supposed to be. But as he progresses through it, maybe after the first 15, 20 minutes, he'll start to check his watch. You know, oh, is it is it time for my date yet? I'm supposed to meet her for coffee. And then he'll start thinking about, you know, everything that occurred the previous night, the information that he discovered, wanting to get into certain people's heads, trying to figure out better ways to approach that, probably distract him from his tasks a little. So he might forget a lock here. He might skip a couple of windows there. You know, he might miss a motion detector because he's a little distracted. Yeah, definitely. So that's good. I, I like to hear that because just like with the other characters in here, not quite Lenny as much because I think Lenny is more, and I'm not like trying to insult the other characters, but Lenny is more conditioned to 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 being, I guess, outside his comfort zone where both William Cattell and now you, you know what I mean, have all been thrust out, you know what I mean, of, of your comfort zone or having to react. And now the first signs of that are starting to creep through your head, you know, like, miss lock here miss lock there because now you realize that there's this whole new world that's out there for you that has always been there and you know it's always been there but now there's almost like a different light shined on it which is really good so you know you have about she was was gonna have you pick her up at the bookstore that she worked at and the name of that bookstore is the six chambers used bookstore which is like it's about six miles away and it's still in St. Paul, but it's kind of like in the hipster area, kind of like in the same area where that coffee shop was, where you were introduced to both Katow and William there. So it's, it's basically, and you're not too quite too familiar with it, but you know, the, um, the, the address of it. And so you, you can find it if you need to. And you also have that book too, that she gave you. Have you took, did you take a look at that book by chance? like let rest that night or did you look at it later or you just kind of like just not really interested in what's in there he probably leafed through it a little bit before he passed out for the day but he wouldn't have looked at it too closely he may have made notes if there was like a sticker on the inside front or back cover he may have made note of what the sticker said if it was like uh an advertisement for the bookstore or like a little hello my name is please return yeah. to so we'll say that a couple hours goes by is there anything you want to do until you have your date no, at this point, he's just going to go through the motions, do what he has to do in order to keep uh, Cynthia from, you know, staking him or torturing him again. <laughs> you find it like, I, I, I just think like even like the situation that you're in is torturous. You know what I mean? Like not knowing when like a punishment because we can eat. I mean, the last when was the last time you got punished? Like ten decade ago, two decades ago. If not anything, you've been given the cold shoulder now. You know, like you are not even worthy of being noticed. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't even want to acknowledge you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like I would say that's torture. You know, it's I would say like the look that she gave you when you walked out with Jenna last night. Like just the look from the from the balcony or from the stairway. You know, just looking down on you. That was uh that was torture. Uh uh so yeah, definitely. It's 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 a painful life for Warren. How are you gonna to get to this coffee shop, sir? Or this bookstore? He will make a phone call before mm -hmm. um he's due to arrive there and he'll call a cab. Oh, nice. All right. So how does it feel to call a cab for Warren right now? 
Because when was the last time Warren called the cab? Probably in the 40s. Yeah, right? Because Warren pretty much has just been <laughs> hanging out the chantry or hanging out on the campus, being a creepy night security guard and like, or you know what I mean? Campus security and feeding from there. And so like, yeah, this, you're like, you're calling a cab. Dude. You're literally calling someone to come and pick you up to take you from the confines. And you, 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 you call the cab company and they're like, yeah, we'll have someone there in 15 minutes. And you're like standing eagerly in the foray, like, you know, waiting probably, you know, what, like how you dressed for this occasion? Like, like what, like, what are you wearing to this? For the, this occasion, he'll probably be wearing a sports coat, black slacks and a, uh, a turtleneck. We'll do a sort of faded pastel, <clears throat> pastel blue turtleneck. Okay, nice. So he's looking slightly dapper, but he's definitely treating this this, this date that he has coming up with some kind of revenants in a in a way, right? Yes. Okay, definitely. He doesn't so, want to overdo it either. Yeah, he knows it's I mean, not, you know, <laughs> three piece suits aren't standard anymore. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like that. So as you're sitting there, and you're waiting, and you hear the honk eventually of a car in front of the house as, as you're uh, uh, like, which has been the telltale sign of like a cab's ready to pick you up. Mm -hmm. He will take one last look behind him to see if uh, Cynthia is watching him. As you get up, you turn around, you look, you see a figure staring down at you in the same spot that she stared down at you when you left with Jenna. She is wearing like this gray skirt with like this, like a, a similar a darker grayish, like, like um, blouse that is on top of it. And she has like these white stockings that are kind of like pulled to where you can't see any skin of her legs. That was in the fashion. As a matter of fact, the fashion of the time when you met her, she has these like uncomfortable black looking loafers on and she's, her hair is parted down the middle and it's this highly sheen like mahogany brown and you can see like just kind of curves around and really accentuates in a way her deep brown almond eyes but also like the paleness of her skin and she's gripping the banister and she like this figure who is smaller than you who is like petite like 110 pounds and is like five foot you know four who you know in any normal life you could easily overpower but right now just a simple look that she has as she's looking down on you right now stops you in your tracks and it's jarring in a moment because it's almost like two separate realities right now are being pulled apart you know that are like like you're being pulled between two separate realities and you don't know which way to get pulled she looks down at you and she says where do you think you're going to do the job i was told to do and there's a moment like like 30 seconds where she's just staring at you and moving are you enjoying this job Warren, as much as i can again there's like a 30 second pause i'm not gonna sit here for 30 seconds what where she's just looking at you with that face you're not gonna let me down warren are you absolutely not you know what happens when i'm let down don't you warren failure is not an option i know do not let me down warren i won't and then she just turns around and walks off down the hallway as you're left there looking up at her then you hear <laughs> you hear the honking of the horn again from up front his uh, shoulders will sag and he'll hang his head. He'll go outside, he'll get into the cab, and he will not go to the bookstore or the coffee shop. He will go, let's see here, what's an area of the city where he's likely to get mugged? We'll stay northern Minneapolis, which is kind of like where like the, you know, quote unquote ghetto is, but yeah. He'll go there. 
Hello folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please. Help. They're coming. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire Districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. <laughs> 